Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. You're home the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. Right now it is time for a, our daily giveaway this week for Diamondbacks tickets on Saturday, August the 26th. That's a, uh, the U of A night at Chase Field when the Diamondbacks face the Cincinnati Reds. Right now, caller number 2-602-260-1060. You are today's winner. Once again, 602-260-1060. You're today's winner of a four-pack of tickets. First pitch on Saturday is 510, so keep that in mind if you're going to try to win here. 510 first pitch. By the way, fans can purchase a special event ticket package to receive a game ticket and a co-branded U of A Diamondbacks t-shirt. Visit diamondbacks.com slash U of A to secure your tickets now. All right, the Cubs remain second in the National League wildcard standings after last night's victory at Detroit. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the sports zone by Megan Montemuro of the Chicago Tribune. And, hey, Megan, good to have you. Let's uh, – Start with these last 10 series. The Cubs are 8-1-1 one, and one in these last 10 series. That's a, quite a turnaround after the previous few weeks. Has there been the, a big the, – is there a biggest reason for this turnaround? I mean, I think it's really a combination of things. Really, it, the offense has carried them for stretches, um, whereas, you know, basically from May-ish um, until – mid to late June, the offense is really struggling. Um, and so they've really gotten in the groove. Um, the addition of Jamer Candelario has made a huge difference in that. Um, and then I think, you know, you look at the, the back end of their bullpen. I mean, it's, it's a really unproven group. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're top three relievers, Julian Merriweather, Mark Leiter Jr. and Edward Elzelay. I mean, they have either already exceeded career highs in innings um, out of the bullpen or they're very quickly getting there uh, with still, you know, over a month left in the season. So um, they've been shouldering a lot of the load. Um, So, yeah, I think it's really been a combination of things. And that's with two, you know, some inconsistencies from the rotation. You know, they looked like uh, the Cubs, like deadline sellers for quite frankly, much of the summer uh, before that hot streak, right before the deadline. How close do you think they might've been to becoming sellers? Oh, they were really close. I mean, for probably about a week and a half, two weeks before the trade deadline. I mean, there were there were uh, deadline buyers that had scouts, you know, following probably uh, had someone at every Cubs game almost. Um, and so, yeah, like teams were fully expecting them to sell. They obviously had quite a few attractive pieces with Cody Bellinger being the main um, prize, I guess, uh, on their roster if they were going to sell. Um, so no, they were, they were definitely headed to that territory until about, you know, two weeks before, or I guess really the build up in the final two weeks really shifted things. You mentioned Cody Bellinger. He's a Phoenix area product. This is a guy that mysteriously couldn't hit a high fastball the last couple of years. He was with the Dodgers. Uh, he, uh, last night after last night, he had a hit last night. He's hitting 322 in the season with uh, 20 home runs. How has he turned it around this season? I mean, I think a big thing is, you know, he's fully healthy. You know, he, he wasn't trying to spend the offseason coming back from a bad injury. Um, he was allowed to kind of just do what he would normally do um, with his offseason program. And I think it's a combination. Like, I do think there is something to getting a new set of eyes on you and 
getting a different perspective, you know, getting out of the organization he'd been with for his entire pro career. Um, And I think there was just an openness on his end to hearing some of the Cubs ideas. And from the Cubs perspective, you know, they didn't want to change that much stuff. Like they saw a lot of good. And with a guy that has his type of athleticism, I mean, you know, if, if he can get to a good point in his swing and sees the results, you know, to back it up, like that's, that's a big confidence booster. And he's just been so good at, um, you know, not pulling out of his swing too much. So it it allows him to go to the opposite field, allows him to fight in two straight counts and stay alive. Um, And, and, and again, his athleticism allows him to naturally make those adjustments and he's just, he's not having to think up there. He's not fighting through things. Um, and so I think some of the success that he started to experience um, early in the season really helped, you know, fuel some confidence in what he was doing. Okay, so Bellinger, has a, they have a mutual option for next season, just above $17 million. I'm guessing it can make a lot more than that on the open market. So has Bellinger priced himself out of Chicago here? Oh, for sure. I mean, that, that mutual option was really just a way for – um, both sides to kind of balance out the, the CBT element um, of his salary. But, but really the expectation was, you know, that one side or the other was, was not going to be picking up the option either. If he didn't play well enough, you know, the Cubs wouldn't bring him back. And if he did, as both sides hoped and believed he would, um, then, then Bellinger would opt out and get a multi-year deal, from, if not from the Cubs, from somebody. Cubs are uh, now fifth in baseball and runs scored. Uh, you know, I can look at season-long numbers, but you watch this team every day. You know, why is this offense, uh, you know, kind of exploded here and become a consistent offensive threat on almost a daily basis? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the big things is um, is they they've shown an ability to add on runs. Um, so even if it's been a close game. Um, most of the way, you know, they, they can they tack on runs late, seventh, eighth, ninth innings, and really put games away, um, which you know has helped the bullpen. Um, but they have quite a few guys that obviously can can drive the ball, um, e- even if they're not necessarily hitting home runs. I mean, they've had plenty of innings where they score four plus runs without hitting a home run. Um, you know, so they have the ability to drive the ball to the gap. They have some contact hitters. Um, and really, you know, that they've been aggressive in, in stealing bases. I mean, it, this has been one of their more aggressive base running teams um, in the last 10 years. So um, it's, it's really a combination. They, they don't necessarily have one way of scoring runs. This isn't um, an offense like uh, during their, their five-year run when they won the World Series where they're super reliant on hitting home runs. Like that was something that they really wanted to – get away from when they, when they rebuilt the team the last couple of years. And, you know, it's just, it's a more entertaining brand of baseball. It gives more flexibility of how they can score runs because they're not just waiting for a home run um, to make that happen. And so it's, it's you know, it's, it's been pretty impressive the way they've done it. I mean, their, their leading home run hitter is a guy who at this point is basically a platoon player. Um, so um, they, they have a lot of ways that they can beat you, and they, they, it puts a lot of pressure on opposing pitching staff, too, with the way that they're able to work counts um, and, and really get starters' uh, pitch count up. 
Megan Monteburg of the uh, Chicago Tribune currently in the sports zone. Okay, the Cubs' defense up the middle has been terrific, uh, you know, starting with former Diamondbacks 2015 first-round overall pick of the draft, Dansby Swanson, now at shortstop. How important has Swanson been with his professionalism and just his all-around play? Oh, yeah, I mean, I think it's huge. I mean, they, they've really, they really added in the offseason quite a few guys um, with postseason and experience. Obviously, we talked about Bellinger. Um, you know, Dansby obviously has a World Series title as well. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, his addition, you know, obviously in the clubhouse, but just on the field, I mean, bringing him in, it, it shifted a guy, Nico Horner, back from, you know, from shortstop back yeah. to second base where he had been a Gold Glove finalist before. Um, so it had that domino effect of just really enhancing their up-the-middle defense, having Bellinger in center field. And, and yeah, just watching him, I mean, he, he makes – hard plays look routine, which, you know, I think is what you say a lot about any defender um, who, who has an elite glove. Um, so, yeah, no, it's been really impressive to watch. And, um, yeah, you, you can see why he, he's won a lot in his career and, and why they wanted to add him. You mentioned Horner. I was going to mention him next. You know, the addition of Swanson moves Horner to second base. Uh, Swanson and Horner, are they the best double play combination in baseball, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I think that's certainly a fair argument, and I would, you know, not dispute that if, if, if certainly Cubs fans would, would uh, agree with that assessment. I mean, I think between, you know, their range and, you know, Dansby just watching him, you know, a, a scout mentioned to me, uh, you know, with how much they had been watching the Cubs around the trade deadline, just what stands out about Dansby is just his internal clock. You know, he knows when, you know, he doesn't need to be rushing throws based on the base runner. He knows when he needs to get it off quick. He just has a really great understanding and, and IQ and internal clock of what he needs to be doing at that position. And then at second base, you know, with, with Nico Horner, I mean, same thing. I mean, there's, there's balls he gets to that not a lot of second basemen get to. Um, you know, he, he has a really good arm. You know, he showed that, especially last year at shortstop and the work that he put in um, over the offseason uh, two years ago to, to really bolster his arm strength. And so, yeah, I mean, the, the amount of ground that they can cover is so huge, especially nowadays with the shift restrictions. Like, you need guys um, that can really optimize that. So mm -hmm. it, it's been really impressive what they're able to do. The Cubs' season-long pitching numbers, kind of middle of the pack for the most part. Uh, playing games at Wrigley Field, uh, yeah, pitching numbers can sometimes be misleading. So do these numbers, pitching, you know, the middle of the pack pitching numbers, do they lie or are they accurate or how would you rate the pitching staff? I mean, their pitching staff for the first half was, was one of the best in baseball, especially the rotation. And then um, kind of late June around the All-Star break, um, you know, Drew Smiley started struggling. Marcus Stroman, you know, struggled, you know, over his last seven starts before he got injured. Um, so those numbers certainly took a hit. And um, but but like the, but the group, especially the rotation, they still have guys in there that can, you know, single-handedly win games for them. I mean, Justin Steele, you know, is a is a Cy Young contender for a reason. You know, Kyle Hendricks, veteran who who's obviously won a World Series. Jameson Tyone has looked so much better, um, you know, in, in the last six weeks. And so, yeah, they, they still have guys that um, 
could go out there and win games for them. And, and obviously, if you're if you're trying to make the postseason, you, you need those kind of guys in the rotation in particular. In fact, I was going to steal next. Uh, he got my attention last season. This year, 14-3 and three with a 280 run average, 28 walks and 127 strikeouts in 132 innings. Uh, why, is he, why has he been able to take this next step, so to speak? I mean, I think part of it is he, he just has a really good understanding of what makes himself successful. I mean, he really technically is essentially a two-pitch pitcher, but the way he's able to manipulate his fastball, how he can um, manipulate his slider, whether he wants it to sweep more, if he wants to make it a little bit harder um, and a sharper pitch uh, is really impressive. And so that sort of deception makes it really hard that even if you think he's throwing a fastball on that count or you totally expect that he's going to throw a slider to try and put you away, he just can do so much with each of those pitches and, and the movement he gets with them that it's just it's, it's so hard. Um, and so I think it's been really impressive the way that he knows himself um, and he doesn't, he doesn't deviate it. He doesn't try and get too cute, you know, as he gets deeper into a game. Like, you know, he sticks to his strengths. And, you know, for the most part, it's, it's worked. <laughs> You mentioned, you know, the uh, you know, just the way that he kind of understands things. But the, I guess I don't know if this is, quote, bad news, but he's already pitched 13 innings more than he did all of last season. You mentioned uh, the innings with the uh, bullpen guys. Might the organization try to manage these innings a little bit the rest of the season? But if you're in a playoff situation and playoff positionings on the line, that's kind of tricky, right? Right, yeah. I mean, they tried to – they, they – had a stretch where they played 16 games in 16 days and then they had three off days and like a seven day span um so they they they're trying to take advantage of the off days and you know build in some extra rest through there so it's not you know where he's pitching every fifth day and it's more every fifth game and so you're you're getting some extra rest in there but yeah it's going to be interesting to see kind of what he looks like over this next month you know, they really last year wanted to make sure to get him as close to the end of the season as possible in, in anticipation of this. So even though his innings weren't that high because, you know, he struggled a lot with being able to get through five um, last year, he still pitched, I think, basically until maybe like two and a half weeks before the season ended and then they shut him down. Um, so his he, he at least went through almost a full season, even though the innings weren't there. So I think that is important. He didn't get shut down in the beginning of August. Um, and, yeah, you know, it's something where they're, they're going to obviously have to pay close attention to the data and see if they're seeing any concerning dips in that area um, and, you know, make adjustments as needed. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how he handles this, especially with obviously every start meeting a lot down the stretch here. Okay, you mentioned Stroman. Uh, yeah, he's really struggled since that trip to London. He's on the injured list now. What's his status for the rest of the season? Well, he was going to be coming off the IL um, last week, which he was initially on for right hip inflammation. But then he experienced some story. We don't really know exactly how the explanation for what happened is very clear, but he um, sustained right rib cartilage fracture um, and is still on the IL. There's no timeline for his return. I mean, 
if they get him back by the end of the season, I think they would consider that a bonus at this point um, because, you know, he was already down for two weeks and was coming back from that. Now this, um, he basically can't do anything until the pain and discomfort subsides, which is unclear when that will happen. Um, you know, their team president, Jed Hoyer, said he's never seen this injury before for a pitcher. And so they don't really know how long it's going to take for him to come back from it. So at this point, I, I don't think the Cubs are able to count on him throwing another pitch for them this season. And if that ends up happening, then they'll obviously be thrilled. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the initial injury with the hip inflammation, just, you know, I think part of it was he had that blister in London, um, tried pitching through it. You know, he's a big field guy. It seems like his mechanics eventually got out of whack from, you know, who knows. He, he couldn't really offer specifics of when he felt like he got out of whack. But once you start doing that, you're overcompensating in different ways you might not realize. And they believe that eventually led to the hip issue, um, which was only going to require a minimum 15-day stint until this cartilage root fracture um, happened, you know, three days before he was going to return. Okay, last up, you know, they're, I mentioned at the start here, their wild card position. They're also just two games behind the first place NL Central leading Brewers. Next week, they host the Brewers in a three-game series before they play four games at Cincinnati. What's your assessment of the Brewers and the Reds? Um, I mean, I, I obviously you can't overlook that. The Reds are certainly super exciting, you know, with the, the Brewers. I mean, it seems like Craig Council always brings out the best in whatever roster he has. Um, so obviously you can't overlook either team. But, I mean, I do think when you look at all three rosters, you certainly can make the argument that the Cubs have the most talent, um, especially proven talent, um, on their roster. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, does that outweigh the other intangibles? You know, does does the Reds' youth come into a factor late in the season, um, good or bad? And, you know, do the Brewers have enough offensive firepower um, to be able to hold on to the division? I mean, the Cubs end the season in Milwaukee with three games, which, you know, could, could decide the, the division title or, or, you know, which if either team uh, would make a wild card spot. So it's certainly shaping up to be an exciting race. Thanks, Megan. Megan Montemurro of the Chicago Tribune. Tonight the Cubs are in Detroit. Drew Smiley. Uh, back in the rotation, at least for now, I think this is kind of a spot start. As Megan mentioned, he struggled a lot after a decent early start of the season. Smiley now 9-8 and eight with a 492 and run average against Reese Olsen, who's had some nice moments as a rookie for the uh, Tigers this year. 2-5, and five, though, uh, a 483 earned run average. In the next segment, it'll be phone call time, 602-260-1060. General discussion. Also, we'll get to today's local roundup. They'll include plenty from the Diamondbacks. Uh, Dramatic victory last night after not much happening for nine innings, but a dramatic victory last night over the first-place Rangers. You're listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7.